Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Hi, uh, my name is Geneva. Um, I'm 40, uh, 43? 43 years old. I don't know. Uh, I got saved in 97. Um, I was 18 years old in South Austin. And... Um, just a really quick testimony on that. You know, I grew up in the projects in Montopolis, um, drug abuse, uh, domestic violence. I mean, you name it, I went through it all. But um, when I got saved at 18 years old, um, I was a raw convert. I knew nothing about Jesus or salvation. I only you grew, I grew up Catholic, so that's pretty much all I knew, but we never went to church. Um, and so, uh, you know, my I, I changed... Um, radically, like I, I radically got saved, and um, I knew that uh, when I married my husband that we we were going to do something for God. I, I knew that, um, but fast forward to three years ago, I would have never thought we were we would I would end up in India of all places. Um, but uh, I just want to say that. Um, going to India was the best thing that has ever happened to our family, um, individually and as a whole. Um, my older son didn't go with us. He stayed behind. And, um, but, you know, God really showed himself so real to us. Even though he was here in Austin and the three of us were in India, he really showed himself real to each and every one of us. And um, India was the best experience that all of us have had. And um, it was adventurous. It was exciting. It was scary. It was beautiful. It was ugly. It was everything. Um, But, you know, when uh, one of, you know, as a mother, you know, we're always worried about our kids, right? Oh, what about the kids? What about the kids? But you know what? God really showed himself faithful to be here with our son. I was very scared to leave him. He was just turned 18 and he is a little knucklehead. So I didn't know what was, what was going to become of him, but you know, he, he, he was, he got saved, you know, he got saved. He, you know, he cried out to God and he wasn't leaning on us for, you know, to bail him out of things or whatever. But at the same time in India, you know, he was doing so much in us. Um, and you know, if God is calling you, uh, your husband's, to, you know, pioneer in America or pioneer in a missionary or, you know, whatever it is, you know, don't, don't let fear be what holds you back because there's, there's nothing, there's no safer place for you and your children and your family than in the will of God, wherever that is and whatever that is for you, you know, it's, it's just the safest place to be is in the will of God. And, um, that's, you know, one thing that I, learned, you know, being in the mission field in an, in an Asian country at that, you know, it's, it's very different. Um, but, um, you know, the safest place to be is in the will of God. I just want to encourage you with that. You're awesome. 
Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. And for some of y'all who are wondering, how the heck did a guy like you get a girl like that? God's grace, y'all. Come on, somebody. Amen. God is good. And so what a, what a blessing to have her, amen, share that. And it uh, segues a little bit into what I want to minister. Uh, glory to God. The title of our sermon tonight is Know Him and Make Him Known. Knowing God and making Him known. Our text is going to be in Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. In the Word of God is where we're going to go. Now, she mentioned that uh, it was adventurous in India, and we can testify to that. I actually got called in to immigration. We were semi-underground, and so... Uh, in other words, we were allowed to be there. We were allowed to attend a church, but I wasn't supposed to be a pastor or any kind of teacher or anything like that. And so what happened was uh, I got called into immigration, and I sat down and I, I got interrogated. This, this uh, immigration officer was sitting on the other side of the glass, and he had my passport, and he was looking at me, and he was uh, going back and forth in the native language. It's called Malayalam, and they were talking to each other and just letting me sit there in my nervousness. They could probably see my heart coming out of my chest, and he had a folder. He opened that folder, and there were photocopies of our flyers. There were uh, printed out uh, screenshots of what's up, uh, what's up statuses that I had put for events, and there were actually text messages that had been printed out. So this guy had the whole thing, and he started shouting at me. He started asking me questions, and uh, you know the the end of that story is actually miraculous because what happened was is he he let me see what was in the folder. I mean, he was there intimidating, but at the same time, moving each page slow enough for me to see it. And then when he started asking me, I was, you know, I, I was uh, saying as much of the truth as I could without getting kicked out of the country. Uh, are y'all with me? <laughs> I guess there's a certain grace there. Don't ask me to explain it. But I, I was doing everything I could to, you know, uh, paint the picture in the proper way. And he even, to make a long story short, ended up... Uh, yelling at his friend in Malayalam, the other worker, and, and said, I want you to call Johnny Babu. And we were like, what the heck, this guy? Is our neighbor supposed to be my friend? He works for an American company. We thought we had this connection. So by the grace of God, he let me see everything they had, and he let us know who ratted us out. So that was miraculous, because their leverage is not letting you know what they have and not letting you know who is talking about you. Are you with me? I say that story because while I was there, and I, you, you can judge me if you want, I, I wasn't thinking about preaching to the dude. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about, you know, bringing the gospel to the table. I was thinking, how do I make sure I don't get uh, assassinated by Pastor Ruby because I'm getting kicked out of the country after two months? And this story brings us to our text because the Apostle Paul is being brought before the highest legislators, the highest authorities of the land. He is standing before a man named King Agrippa. And 
the Apostle Paul, I call him Pastor Paul, Pastor Paul is being interrogated. He's brought before the, the most powerful, um, uh, amen, politicians and military leaders of, of that geographic area. And, um, you know, King Agrippa's like, Paul, the Romans are saying that you come into our cities um, and you stir things up and you cause them trouble. Um, you cause the mayor's trouble. You cause the cops trouble. And then we've got Jews over here saying um, that you're stirring up their groups of people, which is more trouble for us. Um, and so all these people have these stories about you, Paul. The Jews want you killed. The Romans want you in jail. And so, Paul, what do you got to say for yourself? And Paul didn't ask for a lawyer to come to defend him. And he did not address a single one of the accusations that were made against him. Can I summarize to you how he defended himself before King Agrippa? He said, King, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he changed my life, and I'm just telling some people about it, and they're getting upset. He, he got in front of this group of people. Could you imagine being called in front of the Austin City Council, and they're drilling you, and they've got these trapping questions, and they're intimidating, uh, and there's all of the pomp, all the circumstance, uh, and you're in front of them. The Apostle Paul was alive today, he would just simply say, man, Jesus changed my life, and I'm doing the will of God. Sometimes there's a revival, and sometimes there's a riot, and that ain't my fault. Let's read our text. I want you to think about the power of your testimony tonight. Let's read Acts chapter 26. We're going to start in verse 9. This is in the middle of his defense of himself, or basically his testimony And we're going to go through verse 19. So I need you to stay with me. Can everybody say amen? So here he's in the middle and he's talking. He says in verse 9, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ. This I also did in North Austin. And many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Verse 11, and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly enraged. Everybody say enraged. He's revealing his heart. He's given his testimony. He said, being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While I was thus occupied, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. At midday, O king, along the road, somebody stopped me and gave me a revival flyer to the potter's house. Just joking. Verse 13, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me with those who journeyed with me. And when they, we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me in the Hebrew language saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. In verse 15 he says, So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now in Acts chapter 9 and verse 6, the Bible says that during this experience, Paul also looked to Jesus and says, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
Everybody say, who are you, Lord? Everybody say, what do you want me to do? Amen. Back on to verse 16. Jesus is speaking. So this is Paul. He's sharing his testimony, and he's quoting Jesus from this experience that he had. Um, It says, but rise and stand on your feet. Jesus told Paul, rise and stand to your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, um, both of the things which you have seen and the things which you will, amen, that I will yet reveal to you. Verse 17, and I will deliver you from the Jewish people um, as well as from the Gentiles and the crazy Austinites, um, amen, to whom I now send you. Verse 18, I'm sending you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, to turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. In verse 19, Paul says, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I want you to... Hear me tonight because everyone must get saved. Everyone must get saved. Anyone can be saved. And everyone must get saved. This is the commandment. Now, in India, this was the lost word of Kerala. My state was Kerala. And so I saved was, it was very interesting because when we would evangelize and we would talk to people, if they found out we were from a church, they would say, oh, are you LC or RC? LC, RC? What, what are you talking about? Oh, are you Latin Catholic or Roman Catholic? I'm neither. Oh, are you Orthodox or are you Martoma or... So they just start throwing out these labels. No, I'm not that either. Oh, are you Pentecost? Are you a Pentecost? Like, what is a Pentecost? I don't know what you are saying. Are you a born again? And so they have all these labels. I said, man, I'm saved. Jesus changed my life. Um, Amen. Unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Son, I do not know what this is. Even people, listen to me, listen. Even people who were saved, there were legitimate people who had been born again. Some of them were even filled with the Holy Spirit. They loved God. They read their Bible. And I would ask them, are you saved? They, no, sir, I am a born again. No, no, no. Are you saved? No. They didn't know what that word means. So I called it the lost word. Listen, y'all. It's simple. You've got to get saved. That's giving your life to Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, putting your faith, uh, amen, in the one who created you and who saw you in your sins, who died on a cross for you, who rose from the dead and calls you to put your faith in him. And so listen, if you get saved, no matter what your background is, you have a testimony. My wife shared her testimony Amen. Right now, a little bit of it, how she came out of a a very broken background. Um, Amen. Drugs, alcohol abuse. and, And she came to our church and she did not know what the word saved meant. Let me encourage you guys. When you have visitors come and they may not lift their hand and then you go and gently, properly visit with them and say, hey, would you like to pray? Even if they don't understand everything, uh, amen, it is still a valid ministry to try to encourage them. 
She had no idea. When they said, bow your head, close your eyes, if you want to get saved, lift your hand, it, it went straight over her head. But one of the young ladies went and sat down next to her, ministered to her, and said, would you like to pray? She said, yeah, I guess I'll pray. And she came to an altar to pray a prayer that she didn't fully understand, and she's never left since. Hello? So can you file that in your mind when you hear these psychos on YouTube saying that the sinner's prayer is illegitimate? Okay? We believe in the sinner's prayer. Let me make a statement to you right now. I know it doesn't happen like this every time. We've prayed with hundreds of people on outreach, prayed with hundreds of people at this altar, and they don't all get it or come back. Is that right? That's our experience, but our experience doesn't portray reality. Reality is that every time we pray a sinner's prayer, it has the potential to radically and permanently transform someone's life. That is our faith. Every time. Be encouraged with that. You know, I was 16 years old when I got saved. My parents were raised. Amen. My, my mom watched her parents get converted. My grandparents were Catholics and had immigrated from France. My grandfather joined the American Air Force and was elevated to a lieutenant colonel. He's uh, very well off. He's very well educated, very well cultured. Uh, He's a high ranking in the military. And him and my grandmother, at the age of 40 years old, uh, they walk out of a Catholic service. uh, And my grandfather says, there is more to God than we have. And from a staunch European French Catholic background, they went and visited churches, ended up in a Holy Spirit-filled gospel-preaching church. And at the end of the service, the preacher said, if you want to give your life to Jesus, lift your hand and come forward. And Lieutenant Colonel René Geneste walked forward with his wife and they gave their life to Jesus Christ. My mom was a young girl at that time. She watched it happen. She got baptized when she was 12 years old. My grandparents on my dad's side raised my dad knowing God, but my mom and dad backslid. They fell into sexual immorality, and they did not judge it. They excused it. They danced around it. Instead of facing it and repenting, they made excuses, and it wasn't long till they were deep into the New Age religion. By the time I came along, I was taught that Jesus Christ was just a nice teacher who walked around saying really cool things, smoking a weed with the disciples. I was taught to never trust the Bible, that it was created by man to be used by religion to manipulate you. This is what I was taught. I was taught there was no devil, only negative energy. I was taught that there is no sin, there's only ignorance. So as I'm raised, I'm taught these things, and I was kind of a a cocky guy. I was kind of, you know, uh, I I knew some of these philosophies and these things. Um, And so when I went to the church for the first time, my grandparents took me to a a spirit-filled gospel-preaching church. I heard the preacher say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. I said, that is nonsense. That's weird. I got up in the middle of the church service, and I left. By God's grace, I came back. And you know what? With all my arguments, with all my philosophies, uh, amen, and even though they told me that there's no such thing as sin, I knew there was such thing as sin. 
And I had a lot of it. And at 16 years old, I heard a gospel message. I lifted my hand. I went to an altar, and I got saved, and Jesus Christ changed my life. Hallelujah. So listen, I'm sharing this with you because this is my wife, myself, our testimony. But now we meet in church. We're serving God in church. And our kids, all three, were born into church. My oldest son, as my wife mentioned, he was a bit of a knucklehead. My, my son, Jeremiah, was a great kid. He was um, very helpful in a lot of ways. Um, but he had this thing in him where he loved to do the opposite of what we said. He loved us, so it wasn't always the worst case scenario, but he gave us headaches. Do you know that after we were in India for about a year, he was working overnight He was still in church, and he, you know, felt like he wanted to live for God, but he also wanted to do his own thing. Listen, y'all, God's only going to let you live a double life for a short amount of time. You're going to have to make a choice. He was working overnight, and as a security guard down there in South Austin, God spoke to him one night in December of 2019 and said, Son, is this really the direction you want your life to go? And he, he just immediately said, no, no I, I'm, I don't want to continue down. And over a two-week period, I asked him, I said to my son Jeremiah, I said, son, do you, when did you get saved? He said, I don't really know when it happened, but in the next two weeks after God dealt with me, I fully surrendered, I answered an altar call, and today, amen, he's serving God with his wife, amen? My daughter, praise God, y'all. My daughter was always a good church kid. Uh, She would pray. She went to boot camp. She uh, gave us the least amount of trouble. Amen. But once we got to India, she was very active. She was my right-hand woman. Amen. (laughs) She she gave me a a Father's Day card one time and said, "Uh, Dad, thanks for teaching me how to be a man of God. Love your daughter. And so, but you know what happened while we were there in India, and she kind of shared with us that she just started to mull over some of the the backstabbings and the uh, violations and the offenses that happened in the church kid life. Y'all know that rough church kid life, man? That's harder than the streets, y'all, man. And she just began to allow those things to bother her. She felt hurt. She uh, began to allow those things to cause hardness in her heart. And one day believe it was in October of 2019, we're in India, we have an Indian pastor there and he's preaching, amen, and he's preaching about Nicodemus and he says, Nicodemus was a good man and a religious man, but he wasn't saved. And the name of the sermon was Good to Great. He says, you don't go to heaven by being good, you go to heaven by being saved. God wants to make you great. And she said, that's me, I'm good and I'm religious, but I need to get saved. She lifted her hand, she went to an altar, and she radically committed her life to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. My son Joshua, and uh, you know, he's here, so you guys get to razz him a little bit. He was the worst one. (laughs) Thanks for coming tonight, son. He was the worst one. But it was easy because we knew what we were dealing with. 
And he would admit, you know, no, dad, you know, I prayed, you know, and and for me, you know, when we work with church kids, I'm saying this for a reason, by the way, not just, I'll get to this. But listen, you you know, when we're working with church kids, or if you've been in church a while, sometimes we try to encourage you, say, hey, man, that's a process, it's a journey, you know, God's working the rebellion out of you. And, And Josh said, yeah, that sounds good, dad, but I'm just not saved. And so, but he's trying, and God had, listen, we tried hard. You know, it's good to keep boundaries around your kids. Hello. We tried. We had rules. We had standards. We were not loose with the phone thing. We were not loose with the friend thing. But they still found a way to get behind the dumpster at the church with some cigarettes and some liquor and just act stupid. Hello, somebody. We got to India, and we were able to get him away from the negative influences, but he was still in no man's land with his heart. And to make a long story longer, one night he's sitting in his room. I believe it was December 13th. He can correct me if I'm wrong, but 2019, he's sitting in his room, no lights from heaven, no visit from Jesus, just a thought in his mind, I'm wasting my life, and I need to serve God. And with a simple decision, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And today he's contending, amen, for God's destiny in his life. Can you say amen? Now, I share these stories because I'm hoping it covers a lot of ground with anybody sitting here or anybody watching just to remind you that anyone can get saved. And everyone must get saved. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one. On the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. I was uh, running a concert, one of our outreaches and this is years ago and uh, in the 90s. And so we had a band from San Antonio come and it was powerful. And I was the guy, okay, we're going to do a couple songs. And then you, can you testify a couple songs? Can you testify? And I put it all together. And the first girl that came up to testify, she was like, you know, I was raised in a very strict Catholic home and I took it seriously. And I said my prayers and, and I worked very hard in school and I had a 4.0 grade average. And she said, I, I got a full 
full ride scholarship because of my hard work to UT. And she said, I've never touched a cigarette. I've never touched alcohol. I've never been with a man. And she said, I was a good person. She said, I actually wanted to be a nun. She said, but my friend in high school got saved. And when he started witnessing to me, I started feeling conviction for being so self-righteous and being so fake and religious. And, and I knew that I wasn't saved. And, and she said, he witnessed to me and I repented and I gave my life to Jesus and he changed my life. Hey, y'all know us disciples, man. We don't got no problem exaggerating. We left that night saying, man, we got a nun saved in our church, y'all. Come on. <laughs> we had a couple more songs, and the next guy that came up to take the microphone, he said, I started shooting up heroin when I was 12 years old, and I worked for the Mexican mafia. What the heck? <laughs> Whoa. He actually, that particular gentleman said some things in that testimony that he's never repeated publicly before because me and another disciple went and said, bro, you never got convicted for that stuff, so you don't want to keep that down. I'll tell you what, we didn't have any problem exaggerating. We left saying, man, the head of the Mexican mafia got saved. We got the nun and the Mexican mafia. But I'll tell you, in all honesty, we left that service saying anyone can get saved and everyone must get saved. Listen, let's look at our text very quickly because the Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, he's sharing his testimony. And, and remember the way I tried to help you kind of uh, get yourself in the, the moment, in this scene. He's in front of King Agrippa and in verse 11, he's actually admitting to having murdered people. That, that's incredible. I mean, you know, my, my old pastor, Pastor Parker, used to say, nobody knows your whole testimony, and trust me, we don't want to know. But here's Paul, and he, he's getting real close to the line, but he's sharing exactly where he came from. And you know what he said? He said, Agrippa, I was a very religious man. Outwardly, I was very disciplined, I was very focused, I was very dedicated, I was very reliable and respected by my religious organization. He said, on the outside, I was very religious, but on the inside, I was twisted, I was bound by anger. I had no control over the hatred in my life. Um, he said, outwardly I was religious, but inwardly um, I was corrupted and sinful. Are you with me? Listen to what the Bible says in John 5, 24. He who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but he has passed from death unto life. Have you passed from death to life? Have you been born again? Have you gotten saved? Because anyone can get saved and everyone must get saved. And you know what the challenge for us tonight is? Is you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. Number one, what are you going to do with your life? One thing that you are not going to get from this church 
You want to know something that we, we're not, we're not going to be doing here? We don't teach sinners how to act religious. We ain't about that life, y'all. That, that, that will do you no good to stay a sinner, to stay the way you are, but just learn to be religious and talk religious and act spiritual on a certain day of the week. Hello, somebody. No, you know what happens in this church is you come and you hear the word of God. Your sin has separated you from God. And without redemption, you will be judged and punished. And you will be separated from God in a place called hell for all eternity. But Jesus Christ, because he cares about you, gave his life on a cross. Jesus is God Almighty who was born into human flesh through a virgin. He led a sinless life and he did mighty miracles to attest to his divinity. He died on a cross and he rose from the grave and he is alive today and he can change your life. Can somebody shout amen? And you have to choose. Acts 3.19, the Bible says, Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Your sins can be blotted out and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. This is a choice that you make. To be converted means you turn away from sin and you turn towards God. You have to choose. You know what happened to Paul? What my prayer is, this message, if this message accomplishes anything, it is to birth within you two questions, uh, two commitments, uh, two amen, life pursuits to be birthed uh, or to be amen, uh, uh, stirred up if it's already in you. Number one, he said, uh, amen, in verse 15, Lord, who are you? When you get saved, you are no longer satisfied with just acting religious so you can be your own person living in rebellion. You, when, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, um, amen, and you say, I want to know who God is. I want to know who created me. I want to know what's out there. I want to know the name of the higher power, and can I tell you, his name is Jesus. Now, the other part of this story, when we kind of integrate it and piece it together three times, Paul's testimony is talked about in the book of Acts. But in Acts 9, 6, uh, he asked the Lord another question. Lord, what do you want me to do? When you get saved, you make a choice to say, God, I want to know you, and I'm going to realign my opinion. I'm going to realign my worldview. I'm going to realign my life trajectory based on who you are. And then saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? This is a divine, amen, act of God that begins to move in your life. And these are decisions that you must make. Lord, I want to know you. And I want to know what you want to do with my life. So powerful tonight, my wife said, the safest place for you and your family is in the will of God. Do you know that us preachers work real, real hard at trying to help you understand what the will of the Lord is? We preach the gospel to you. We elaborate it. We explain it to the best of our ability. But at the end of the day, you, 
must make it a passionate and determined, uh, amen, decision to say, God, I want to know what your will is for me. I want to know what your plan, I want to know what you want to do in me and through me. So let's close and let's look at our text because Jesus says these words. He says in verse 16, for this purpose I have appeared to you. Everybody say, for this purpose. So in other words, God has saved you for a purpose. There was a man by the name of Mike Shreve. He was raised in a Catholic household back in the 60s and then the 70s as a teenager. He uh, began to get into the rock and roll and party lifestyle. And, and so he got real crazy, um, uh, amen, with the drugs and all of that. And, and he had a near-death accident. After that near-death accident, he began to really evaluate what life was all about, and he looked into Hinduism, and he fully converted to become a Hindu. He's a young Catholic boy in Florida in the 70s, and he gives his life to this, and he begins to study yoga. He becomes a kundalini yoga instructor. Kundalini yoga is extremely demonic. It's, it's very, very uh, spiritual, very idolatrous. It's, it, it's uh, the depth of new age. I mean, it's, it's some heavy stuff. And so he was an instructor. He taught five different classes in different universities there in Florida. And he actually started his own ashram or a commune where he was the guru. And they would wake up at 3.30 in the morning and meditate. And he'd lead people into this stuff. One day he's hitchhiking, and this guy comes around the corner in a VW bus. It's a guy named Kent, and Kent later on said that God had spoke to him to turn left, turn right, turn left, and God told Kent, pick that guy up. So, I mean, this was, you know how your pastor said, be intentional? Hello, c- come on, somebody. Can, can we push pause on the message for a moment and talk about real life? You, you got your flyers with you. You have your testimony with you. And if God starts to deal with you to take you a little bit out of your routine, it's time to get intentional and listen to the Holy Spirit. You don't know who God's going to lead you to. You need to be responsive to that. Amen. So this guy, Kent, he's a new believer, also used to be uh, deep into yoga and stuff like that. And so he just listened to God. Okay, take left. And he's confused the whole time. But when he sees the guy and God says, pick him up, Mike Shreve gets in the van, and for the next four hours, they're talking. Kent simply, I'm not saying this is a formula for evangelism, but it's pretty powerful. Kent gives his testimony, and then Mike Shreve says, well, what about reincarnation? What about karma? What about this? What? And he starts naming all of these deep Hindu things that he's studied and that he's fixed on. They, there are beliefs that he thought about, and he worked through, and he believed them. And you know what Kent would say every time for four hours, like a broken record? Mike, don't worry about all that. Just try Jesus. Later on, Kent said, he said, I knew that if I argued with this guy, I could win the argument, but it wouldn't change his heart. If he didn't give his life to Jesus, uh, then the Holy Spirit wouldn't be with him to illuminate truth. Are you with me? And back to the power of a sinner's prayer, Mike Shreve finally said, all right, I'll try Jesus. Now, we don't do that, okay? I mean, that's not our common way of saying to sinners, try Jesus. That's a little overused, amen, with the Baptists uh, who don't want to confront stuff. But that's another sermon. (laughs) But for this testimony, this was real. And so Mike Shreve said a sinner's prayer, 
And something powerful happened in his spirit. God touched him right there. The next week, Mike Shreve went to every one of his yoga classes and he stood before them and he gave his testimony of what Jesus did in his life and he says, I'm no longer going to be teaching these classes and if you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to pray with you a sinner's prayer. (laughs) He went to his ashram. He said, I'm not the guru no more, y'all. Jesus Christ showed himself to me. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to learn the Bible, and we're closing this thing down. And if you want to get saved, I want to pray with you. You, Mike Shreve testified it's been 50 years, and there are still families serving God today that got saved from his yoga classes in his commune. Can you say amen? I share that with you because... Everyone must testify. I close right here, church. We have to testify. Jesus said, I have appeared to you for this reason, verse 16, to make you a witness. Beloved, it doesn't matter if you're a church kid. It doesn't matter if you've been saved one day. It doesn't matter if you've been saved a hundred years. You have a testimony. You are called to be a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text, amen, is Paul sharing his testimony. Are you ready for this church? This is 20 years after he got saved. 20 years, and he still got his main gospel go-to weapon. Amen. He's going on outreach after 20 years of every Saturday hitting the streets, and he's simply saying, man, I was religious, but I wasn't saved, and Jesus Christ changed my life when I gave my life to him. 20 years later, church, you are meant to share the gospel What is the message? Number one, you share what God has done for you. You speak about how you've changed. And listen, if you you can't speak, I gave you this scripture earlier that he who hears the word of God and believes on him who sent me, Jesus said, has everlasting life. He will not come into judgment, but he has passed from death unto life. Church kids, when they get saved, they pass from death to life. Sinners from the street, former criminals, uh, amen, former drug addicts, uh, when they get saved, they pass from death to life. You have a testimony. If you're saved, you have a testimony. And it has power. You might not think it has power, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus appeared to you for this reason, to make you a witness, and your testimony has power. And there is a message of the gospel, verse 20. We didn't read it, uh, but the apostle Paul said that he declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout the region of Texas um, and then to the Gentiles in weird Austin uh, that they should repent, turn to God and do works befitting of repentance. Um, Your witness is repentance. Listen, beloved, you have to talk to people about repentance. Everybody say repent. Look at your neighbor and say repent. Oh yeah, husbands and wives just love that one. (laughs) It's got to be on your mouth. It's got to be in your message. The other thing is restoration and deliverance. You are an agent of deliverance. You are a messenger of the gospel 
with power as an ambassador to see people delivered. And your testimony will bring deliverance. Jesus said to Paul in verse 18, I am sending you as a witness so you can open people's eyes. You can open people's eyes as you speak truth. Can you say amen? He said, I'm sending you to turn people from darkness to light. He said, I'm sending you to turn people away from the power of Satan, away from the power of the devil and sin and destruction, and turn them to the power of God. This is you. This is your calling. This is the power of your testimony. You can turn people from the power of Satan to God so they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is the message that's in your mouth. This is the message that is in your mouth. You have a message of repentance, a message of restoration, and I'm here to declare to you that your testimony matters. Your witness matters. Verse 19, Paul says to Agrippa, he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. My challenge to you, beloved, don't disobey the heavenly vision. Let's bow our heads in the presence of God. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.